What is going on? Welcome to episode five of It's Never Sunny in Seattle, the Seattle Mariners podcast. It has been a while since we have been here talking to you guys, so welcome back to our listeners. We're excited to have you guys here. There's a lot of reasons that it's been a while since we've talked about Mariners baseball. Uh, the most notable one is that there has not been Mariners baseball in a really long time. Um, Commissioner Rob Manfred seems to not have it in his interest to make there be baseball anytime soon, unfortunately. So there's still a labor dispute going on. And then obviously the coronavirus has impacted the game in a lot of ways, and it's not looking exceptionally likely that there will be Major League Baseball in 2020, certainly not minor league baseball, unfortunately. So that has made it difficult for us to find the desire to talk about Major League Baseball and the Seattle Mariners. Obviously beyond that, there has been some global unrest in the situation in America with the police brutality against people of color, which has been an ongoing situation for literally hundreds of years since America (laughs) has been around, but unfortunately has come to the forefront again with the murder of George Floyd about three weeks ago in Minneapolis and the murder of Breonna Taylor and kind of the, uh, the social unrest that has come with that, the protests that have gone on around the country and really around the world. And it's made it tough to feel like talking about baseball is the right thing to do, but there was a draft as you guys may have noted, and <laughs> the Mariners have 10 new players on their team, six new guys that they drafted, four players that they signed as undrafted free agents, which we'll talk a little bit about how weird that process was and how there's not 40 guys to talk about. Not that we would have probably covered all 40 draft picks had it been a usual <laughs> year, but uh, still a few less guys to talk about than usual. So uh, I guess I could introduce my co-hosts. I'm joined today as usual by Mikey Ajetto. He is here as well as John Troopin from the Lookout Landing, who does a lot of their pot, their prospect, excuse me, writing over there. So we're really happy to have him on to answer some questions about some of the new guys that are here with the Mariners. So what's going on, guys? Nothing much, man. Uh, it's been so long that I was expecting you to say Griffey's Naptime podcast, uh, <laughs> which has, it's been like three episodes. But uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. been like three months. So I'm just happy to be back. It's it's uh, yeah. I've been missing baseball. So, yeah. Very much feel that. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I, you know, it was a weird draft, but it did feel good for like a couple days to have like an actual baseball thing that wasn't mm-hmm. fully just not complete nonsense or like, all right, <laughs> let me like call up my brother who's a lawyer so I can like figure <laughs> out like what is right. going on here on this. You know, I mean, something, something you could, you could get a little bit into for the actual baseball of it. Yeah, most of baseball lately has been labor law, and it's kind of nice to not have to talk about labor law for a <laughs> no. little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, so, it's yeah, important, the Mariners, but it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Mariners took 10 guys, or added 10 guys, um, and we're going to talk about those guys. I'm really excited about their class as a whole. I think we can kind of give our, our grades at the end. The draft was weird, not just because it was only five rounds and because there was more financial implications than usual. It just went in a different order than I expected. I'm not going to pretend I'm a draft expert. I think anybody who claims they are a draft expert is probably not because it's really impossible to be. Um, But, you know, I was pretty confident in, say, Austin Martin at two or Asa Lacey at three, and neither of those things happened. And uh, the Mariners ended up taking a guy, Emerson Hancock was the guy that they took, for those who don't know who I wasn't surprised that they took, but I was a little surprised with what was on the board that that's who they ended up with. I kind of thought that Hancock was a good guy for them, especially if Nick Gonzalez was gone, if Zach Veen was gone. Both those guys were on the board. 
I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are about Hancock in general and also just about how the draft shook out in the first five picks and maybe who you thought the Mariners should have taken if it, if it wasn't Hancock. John, I feel like we can start with you. You wrote, um, I was going to say, you wrote the, the article about um, Hancock's fastball that you could talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm fully on board with Andy. This this was, I, I was like standing up on the porch while I was watching this. I was like, <laughs> what? What is going on? Like, and, and, you know, because... Yeah, obviously, you know, there's there's all sorts of ways you could imagine stuff breaking out, but it really did seem like, all right, there's like a few guys here. They're the best guys. They've been the best guys for, you know, all six months that we've been looking at this, that there's not really been much change. Um, <laughs> I was really excited to see Hancock end up in Seattle. Um, and like you, like you said, Mikey, I, I wrote an article about Hancock and it was a little bit based around something they alluded to actually on the ESPN broadcast, which was cool. But uh, essentially Hancock for, if, for anyone who's not super familiar with his repertoire, uh, the, the positive on him is he throws 94, 95 easy, like consistently he's huge. Like he looks like an ACE in MLB and you know, he's got decent slider, decent changeup, decent, you know, a couple decent breaking balls. Um, not necessarily one, dominant one but the, he's got a lot of uh er, everything's above average with him essentially so the the thing that people looked at and said okay you do all these things so well why why is it you give up a lot of hits or why is it you're not necessarily striking out the whole world and um you know essentially he gets around his fastball he he has a sinking fastball that despite having you know a ton of spin gets around it it sort of hovers uh, I'm gesturing for the podcast, which is very helpful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, 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 it moves, you know, like a like a helicopter rotor blades. And so what happens is that pitch, instead of sort of resisting, uh, you know, gravity, it'll it'll actually work with gravity and, and sink a little more. That's not a bad thing inherently, but it you know it's not the type of pitch that's going to miss a ton of bats uh, or, or miss at, you know an extra uh, percentage of bats like a lot of you know like Tyler Glasnow. Justin Verlander, um, guys like that who have the sort of quintessential modern fastball. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if the Mariners try and work with him to adjust that because it, that could be a, a swing and miss pitch for him. Or if they say, you know what, you're a sinker baller. Nothing wrong with being a sinker baller necessarily, especially if you're, you've done this your whole life. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how that works out for him. But I'm psyched about him. Yeah, I'm, I I like it's weird because like if you would have told me before the draft like and really I think the day of the draft I was in the lookout landing like Slack and I was like all right uh, it sounds like we're gonna have the choice between Gonzalez or Hancock tell me about Hancock because I'd been pulling for Gonzalez for a couple months after I saw some video of him mm-hmm. um, and then you know because I didn't think Hancock was even a possibility it it, it sounded like you know. At one point, and this is more so, you know, like before the college season, but like he was supposed to go before Asa Lacey. Um, and so, you know, if you look at it from from like kind of that point of view, it's like it's really cool that we got him at six when, you know, he was supposed to be um, to go one one. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of echo your sentiments where, um, yeah, like it it isn't necessarily a bad thing that he throws kind of a sinker in the way that like justice Sheffield does. Um, and also like Jeff Zimmerman has, he wrote an article a couple months ago, a really interesting one about 
um, essentially looking at pitch properties and kind of like those things relative to like location. And it turns out when you throw a fastball, location matters a lot and pitch properties don't necessarily matter as much. Like, mm-hmm. um, like obviously you need to have some sort of a workable fastball, but um, if you're locating your fastball and throwing them in optimal locations, which is usually at the top of the zone, um, yeah, it might get beat up a little bit, but you're probably going to miss a lot of bats. So I think it, it sounded like his school was already doing a lot of, you know, throw fastballs at the top of the zone, throw breaking and off-speed stuff under. Um, I don't know. I, I like that he's probably going to be I think maybe the quickest moving uh, starting pitcher in the draft and then also has a really good floor. Um, So those are both really attractive things, but also culturally, I think he fits in really well with what we're trying to do. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think he has given what his floor is. I think he has a higher ceiling than um, kind of he gets credit for sort of like people talk about him like, yeah, "Yeah, he's, he's not going to be bad, but also he could be really good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this pick. Yeah. I, um, you, you kind of talked about where with the Mariners, you need to go best player available at six overall. You have to go best player available. You can't worry about position. And I think there's some argument whether Hancock was best available, but I also think that Mm -hmm. he probably was is him or Gonzalez were, were best player available at that spot. Veen obviously is fantastic, but he's high school and the Mariners have a lot of really young (laughs) outfielders in their system already and maybe didn't need to add another one. Their contention window might be a little bit sooner than that. And Hancock fits into that more, but I'm not sure that I love going pitcher first round three years in a row. It doesn't mean I hate Hancock necessarily. I really like the pick, but when you go Kirby, you go Gilbert pitchers bust more often. <laughs> There's a reason that Tim yeah. Stapp is a saying there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. Hancock does have a high floor. I think Gilbert has a relatively high floor. Kirby's, we have to see a little bit more. I'm not sure how high his floor is necessarily, but I think that they have two pretty solid guys, obviously, and then Dunn and Sheffield and everybody else. But I'm just curious with that pick, like I don't want to become the Detroit Tigers, who is the other team that I'm a fan of, where they have a farm system with a ton of pitching and nothing else. Clearly, Jared Kellenick, Julio Rodriguez, Noel V. Marte, Already the Mariners have more position player depth and they did a good job of addressing position player depth the rest of this draft. But I'm, it remains to be seen how I feel specifically about this pick, but not addressing infield when that's their biggest weakness in the system sort of irks me a little bit, even though Hancock has a high floor and is a guy that I really like. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that. (laughs) No, absolutely. Well, I think what you said hits the nail on the head is like Hancock in a vacuum and even in the system, like I think right. he's a guy they they are well suited to get a lot out of, and I think mm-hmm. he is. Uh, I think he was probably my well. I love Zach Veen. I would have been thrilled if they took Zach Veen, but I yeah. think he was. I think it was you know very easily like the guy who you could say was the best pitcher available, certainly and and mm-hmm. potentially the best player. But the the danger I think was this was a draft that was lauded for how much college pitching depth there was. And so was it, you know, you take Nick Gonzalez and then you take a guy who's theoretically like 90% 
of Emerson Hancock with your second pick or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or right. you take Emerson Hancock and then there isn't really that same equivalent, especially at a college level, you know, unless you're willing to go for a, a high school shortstop or something uh, right. to address that, that same infield depth. So, so that, I think that was, I get the reasoning. I think it, I think it's not bad. I think they'll make a lot out of Hancock if, he, if he's able to stay mm-hmm. healthy. You know, knock on wood, but uh, sure. yeah, it, it, it def- I definitely agree with you that, like, it, you know, it did feel a little bit like, okay, we're doing, we're, you know, we're gonna have to figure out a different way to get some infielders. Then, <laughs> right. yeah, that was, you know, that was that was sort of the the shot to get an infielder that would be up in that window. They're they're hoping to sort of get guys up more quickly in. So, John, you in the in the lookout um, landing mock draft, you had us taking Veen. Is that because obviously you really like him? Is that more mm-hmm. so you thought it was the most realistic? Uh, it was, that, that was aspirational. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there was a there was a I think one rumor at one like maybe like three weeks back where where someone said well the Mariners are looking at Veen they've they've reached out to Veen you know they they did some degree of due diligence with Veen Mm -hmm. which is good I suppose but uh, I I think there was I don't think there was unfortunately by by the last couple weeks uh, much much chance they were going anywhere other than college so the Mariners did take an outfielder named Zach in the second round, which That's was true. my very, very uh, quickly, hastily come up with segue into the second round pick, <laughs> which was Zach Deloach out of Texas A&M. This is why you pay me the big bucks, Mikey, is to come up with yeah, stuff like this here. Exactly. <laughs> so Zach Deloach, second round pick out of Texas A&M, definitely kind of turned some heads here a little bit. He was not rated this high by a lot of people. I like the pick because I like he kind of seems like he fits what the Mariners tend to look for in this position. I think he fits their contention window pretty well. But yes, I think you could make some argument that there were some guys who were rated in the 20s and 30s by Fangraphs and Baseball America who were still on the board who the Mariners chose not to go for. I'm curious if you're on Deloach, kind of where he fits, and if he's going to be the third outfielder with uh, Julio and Kalanick in the future. I really liked... um... You know, I, I I do think that it is like a very Mariners type of, you know, pick to take him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was good that to me, for whatever reason, I think like a pendulum is like a really good metaphor for a lot of things just in sports. And I think of like in terms of just perception and where we took him, I think, you know, he was someone that like people were starting to kind of change on, especially with his 2020 but we just caught him before the pendulum has had fully swung the other way. And obviously I don't think that he would have even gone like, I don't know, the the top 20 or 30, but um, I think we took him in a really nice spot. And I think you could argue that like the upside is kind of limited here, Um, but he made a lot of cool changes. And like, there are a lot of different tidbits that I've seen just on, on Twitter that have me really excited about him. And I know that we talked a lot about, um, you know, the mechanical changes that he made that you can um, talk about, John. But, like, Ray Butler was – I was super surprised. He had him at 19 – and obviously this is from a more fantasy perspective. But he had him mm-hmm. as his number 19 um, college player on his – or player on his wow. board uh, in the draft. And um, called him, like, a 55 hit, 55 raw power, 55 speed, um, like, grade player. So – 
I don't know. There's just like that. There's that he, you know, loves hitting with uh, wood bats. And then also um, I saw that by park adjusted Woba. Um, he ranks as one of the most productive hitters in the draft. Um, I think he was the third best of any hitter. And that was a four twelve Woba, um, which was two hitters behind Nick Gonzalez, who had a four sixty one. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe that was their angle is, you know, uh, we can sort of get someone who's not, you know, uh, kind of what you're saying, like 90% of Hancock, but, you know, 90% of um, Nick Gonzalez and also get, you know, uh, the first or second best player or uh, pitcher in the draft. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit mixed on this pitch or on this pick, but I, I really like it. I think Deloach was Deloach is definitely someone I've warmed to the more I've read about him. It sounds sort of similar to to how you you came to it, Mikey. Just in in the sense that my initial reaction was like, really, like you know, you've got I mean, Chris McMahon, like Jared Kelly, like a, a number of very exciting different guys. Even um, you know, if they wanted to go sort of the middle infield route, like. They could have gone, you know, Freddie Zamora or, or, you know, out of Miami. Like there, there were a number of guys there um, who just, at least in terms of uh, coming into the 2020 season, I think had a little bit more uh, recognition and and more, more uh, enthusiasm. Uh, But Deloach just really does make sense as, as a Mariners guy, you know, the, obviously the Cape Cod performance is, is something that was prevalent for uh, nearly everyone. They, they nabbed here. Uh, But the, I I think it's an interesting point that it's sort of a collection of 55 tools, you know, 50 to 55 tools that has been such a thing for the Mariners where, it feels like, okay, well, this guy doesn't really have any standout skill. You know, you could I mean, that honestly was something about Jared Kelnick to some degree, not, not to like make that same comparison, but like that's right. sort of, the, you know, they, they've targeted a lot of guys who, who I think some scouts are like, this guy might be like a tweener, like he's good, mm-hmm. but I don't know that there's one like, yes, this thing puts him into the big leagues and, and that those sort of some of their parts guys have, uh, have have thus far been been a you know pretty big boon for Seattle, um, and, and I mean I I really it really was astonishing how good he was just to start the season. You know, you, yeah. it, it would have been interesting to see the the rest of the year. You know, getting deeper into SEC play and whatnot. But I mean, his hands got so quick through the zone. He was. Uh, really, I mean, engaging his lower half in, I mean, I, it is rare to see as dramatic a difference in a swing from year to year, as you could see, you know, if you, if you were able to dig up some like 2017, 2018 mm-hmm. uh, video on him, I mean, you know, he's, he's nearly swinging down on the ball. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys remember that in backyard baseball, there's like, uh, there's the guy who had like a tie, like the guy who's like looked like a pencil and wore like a tie, and he swung like like yeah. he was like swinging an axe down. That was borderline what this dude's swing looked like, and now he is absolutely like the best hitter in the SEC. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it it a little bit you know makes you wonder like oh, is this real? But if it is real, oh my goodness, you know, like right. absolutely. Uh, you know, so that that's I'm really I don't know if I'm more excited to see 
any of these guys get into games because that that's what I want to see than than Deloach. Deloach is like I put him in West Virginia, put him in Modesto, whatever the equivalent of that. Like I need right. to see more of this dude. What do, what do you uh, think in the way of of um, of comps? Um, the first player that kind of came to mind, especially because of the adjustment um, for more of a leg kick to a toe tap, was. Uh, Jake Fraley, and I think Andy and I feel a little differently about Fraley. I've been souring increasingly, uh, kind of souring on him. Um, but um, I, I think I recall it might have been you in the Slack saying like a like the pick was reminiscent of like Josh Stowers or Stowers or however you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, did you have uh, something in mind there? Well, I, I think the Fraley comp in, in terms of just how the swing looks is pretty on the money. But Stowers definitely. Um, in terms of, uh, I think it was 2018 for Stowers. Uh, he was taken earlier than I think was necessarily expected, but Stowers had sort of been adjusting his swing as the season went along. He had mm-hmm. really taken off, I think, in the conference tournament and then basically right at the end of the season there for Louisville. Um, and, you know, again, was this sort of tweener, like he'd played center field, had the speed, people wondered about his arm, but he also had suddenly displayed this you know significant uptick in power uh, mm-hmm. so i i think especially with the loach i mean his bat speed is really impressive i i don't necessarily know that i can trust the sort of videos with the you know like blast motion little uh, <laughs> module uh in them right. as far as you can throw them but i mean you know he he's posting some videos of himself with really some upper echelon bat speed if if that's to be believed and uh it would track with how well he was performing so you know i, I think stowers i think fraley i think he has more natural power than fraley i do i would like to see more of him defensively because where his bat plays is is ultimately going to be the thing that determines him more than his defense yeah i think the mariners you know we we talk about they, they like to get guys who have a lot of different skills, and I think they just kind of hope that one of them will pop. And you, know, you have a guy like <laughs> Kyle Lewis, who obviously was a much higher selection, but he was picked for his five-tool abilities, and then his knee got shredded into spaghetti, and he became a guy who didn't have as much defensive ability and had virtually no speed, but the power still played and still will play. You know, he's going to strike out a mm-hmm. lot, but he's got a lot of power. And then, you know, guys like Kelnick and Julio at this point look like they're going to be five tool guys. I mean, it, obviously you, they're still young. It's possible, but it's, it seems unlikely that none of the skills are going to play up. So they'll find something. And then I think that's with Deloach too. It's like, he's got some speed. He's got some pop. He's got a swing change. He looks like he could be capable defensively. We don't know that all of that's going to make it to the major league level, but we're willing to bank that one of them does. And if two of them do, or three of them do, we got a, a regular, you know, we got a starter. And if only two of them or one of them make it, he's still probably a quality backup. And mm-hmm. The Mariners have been good at, getting guys who can do that. Fraley is a guy that, you know, Mikey and I a, a little bit disagree with, but he does has shown flashes of having all five of those tools. We just haven't yeah. seen him quite put it all together yet, but there's reason. There's plenty of reason to believe that he'll at least put a couple of them together. And if he becomes a guy who hits 12 home runs and steals 25 bases, awesome. If he flips it, awesome. That's <laughs> great too. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. Deloach is a guy that they can kind of confidently expect if he stays healthy, that he'll, fit into that realm in some capacity, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we did have a question on this one, but I feel pretty confident that we answered it already. I think so. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm going to move on to the third pick that the Mariners made, which was Connor Phillips. Connor Phillips is a really hard throwing right-hander. 
came out of the junior college. He was completed the Omar Narvaez trade. So I know some people were rather upset about the Omar Narvaez trade at the time, but they got Adam Hill and now Connor Phillips out of that deal, which I feel pretty good about <laughs> considering how good I think Tom Murphy is. That's a conversation for another time, but uh, Connor Phillips is a guy that probably has some bullpen potential, uh, but he's, he's gotten it up to 98 in the past. He's got a lot of cheese. He's got good size. His numbers were really, really good. And, granted in junior college, but I'm curious what you guys think about him and kind of where, where the Mariners might try to fit him in. Cause young pitching is something that they have maybe not had the most luck with recently, but I think there's some reason for optimism here. I think there's got to be kind of an angle with why they're taking him. Um, I, you know, cause he, like when I was hearing about him, no one needed to say the word reliever or reliever risk for me to think mm-hmm. like he's got reliever risk just by his descriptors. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there are some sort of tweaks that they're going to be making to try and kind of salvage him, but also um, maybe not. And if that's the case, like I don't super love the the pick. Um, I don't know if there's that much I have to say about it. It's just that, you know, he's really young, like he's only 19 um, and so obviously like there's a lot of, he's got a lot of time before, um, you know, we figure everything out, but y- there are a lot of different things that make me think that he's going to end up being uh, a reliever. Maybe John has some more, um, thoughtful takes on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm with you there. I, I think the Mariners said they were in, in on him out of high school. They were, they were sticking with him. They, for whatever reason, they've really liked him. When you go to JC in Waco, Texas, unfortunately, there is not as much video as uh, I might mm-hmm. hope. Uh, so there, you know, and you're not necessarily even on like the deep, the deep logs of watch ESPN. I'm not really, you know, pulling up as much video as you like. So uh, I do worry. I mean, he's got a he does does not get a ton of extension, which again isn't is by far you know not the end of the world necessarily, but. Um, but he he's not necess- I think he is more of a project than a lot of the guys that the Mariners have normally brought in. Uh, and while I'm glad that they're willing to take on a project, uh, yeah. you know, again, would I have preferred that this you know they go for some sort of toolsy middle infield project instead of okay, well, you know, here's another 19 year old pitcher. That's great. Maybe they can make something with him, but. I I was a little bit disappointed by this, um, you know. E- even as the stuff is is impressive, I do I do see the reliever risk there as well. Yeah, I agree. You guys made some good points. I think that I'm okay with them using this pick, especially since it came over in a trade on more of a project piece. Mm-hmm. But I maybe wouldn't have preferred a 19 year old pitcher as my project. I would have looked mm-hmm. for an infielder to kind of pair with Marte potentially. But I guess this is just more of a, a philosophical <laughs> draft debate question. Not full philosophy, just draft philosophy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because of the importance of having a good bullpen to succeed in the playoffs, which we've seen time and time again being a deterring factor, I, it, for most of my life I would never think that using the 64th pick in the draft on a guy who's likely a reliever seems smart. 
but with how important relievers are now, like, is it that bad of a thing? I, obviously, the Mariners are going to say he's a starter because you don't draft a kid and say, hey, he's just a reliever. That's, you, you know, you're, you want to try to try him as a starter because he's more valuable if he ends up starting. But if they picked him secretly thinking, hey, let's just fast track this dude to the big leagues as a 22-year-old guy who throws 100 with one breaking pitch. You know, is that that bad? I mean, that's kind of what the Brewers have been doing is they just pretend they're going to turn their guys into starters, but really they just leave them in the bullpen and they <laughs> succeed. So I don't know. I, I'm just curious, at, like where in a draft would you be comfortable taking who a guy who looks pretty likely like a relief pitcher only prospect? I guess it depends on like how how tooled up they are, I guess, and like mm-hmm. really like how funky they are, like if they're throwing out of a weird arm slot or, you know, if they throw with like a crazy amount of deceptiveness, like – you know, like hitters can, you know, as you progress, like hitters can start to pick up on different things, but like deceptiveness is one thing that never really goes away. Um, and so like, I forgot what his name is. Um, the reliever for the Rays. He's a lefty. doesn't throw that hard, but he has a really high spin fastball. Um, Oosh, posh. Yeah. So like, like him, yeah. like, um, and he's not even necessarily a great example because I don't think he's, his numbers aren't really popping as much as they were. Um, in the minor leagues but if it's someone like that or like hater um where like you're fairly confident in them like yeah i think um i wouldn't necessarily mind it but i'd rather i'd rather there's like some chance like a five percent chance that they're gonna turn out you know like edwin diaz like that maybe they'll develop that third pitch and be a starter so i don't know i guess it doesn't feel good and I, i think it also heavily depends on team context so for right now I would say, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a great mm-hmm. idea, but um, I, I would say with, with Connor Phillips, you know, there is that chance. So um, sure. I don't think we can be too upset about it. Yeah. It's not out of the question. You know, I mean, again, he is 19 who, you know, who knows, mm-hmm. but I, I do think, I mean, it, it, it's, it, I mean, it all comes back to opportunity cost, right? Like Wyatt right. Mills was a third round pick, but mm-hmm. you know, you took Wyatt Mills knowing, yeah, he's going to shoot up. Obviously he's not going to be like, John, yeah, yeah, there we go. Goes eggs. Um, you know, not like he's going to be Josh Hader level or, or, or right. necessarily even much, but, but, you know, you, it is a great way of ensuring hey, we're going to get some sort of use out of this pick. And, you know, it, that extends into, okay. And then we have the cash to sign Sam Carlson, who maybe is going right. to be something. Obviously, that has not panned out thus far, but in theory, process not not bad um i think the challenge for me with phillips is i it seems likely they are gonna have to go over slot to sign him because he is a younger guy and Mm -hmm. so if you're going for that you you really got to be confident either he is that he has the set you know the skill set to be that dominant reliever or uh, you know that he that he's going to work multiple innings. You know something something there to to sort of extend his his value in in that way. All right, thank you for entertaining my draft philosophy question. <laughs> uh, next up was their third round pick for the Mariners. Uh, I don't know if I know how to pronounce his last name. Caden uh, Polkovic. Polkovic. Uh, I believe um, it's Vich. Yeah, I'd say Vich. Polkovich. We'll go with that. Uh, Polkovich is another kind of Mariner the feeling pick here. Jerry Depoto like guy, mm-hmm. undersized guy who plays uh, every position on the diamond basically, and also switch hits. So there's virtually nothing he cannot do that you need him to do. Uh, there's been a lot of comparisons to Donovan or Donnie Walton. 
which I think is a little bit lazy because they went to the same school and were drafted mm-hmm. in similar times. But there's also some comparisons to Dustin Pedroia, which is perhaps a bit uh, overzealous. Obviously, there are not a lot of 5'8 guys who mm-hmm. become massively successful. But I'm curious your guys' thoughts on him, on what he brings to the team, whether you're on the, you know, Mike Heath said he likes to use the pendulum example. Are you on the Pedroia side? Are you on the Walton side? Kind of where do you think that he, he could fall for this team? I think you're right that the, the Walton is, yeah, they went to the same school. That's kind of it. Polkovich, yeah. like one swing is like what you need to see. Like, oh, this is not Donnie Walton. Like, yeah. God, you know, God love you, Donovan Walton. You know, the, <laughs> I, the man the man, you know, has, has sort of uh, some strongly worded feelings about uppercut swings that he'll, you know, mm-hmm. write to the local alderman about. Like, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he is a spray hitter. Uh, Polkovich, mm-hmm. I mean, Polkovich swings like he's Prince Fielder. Like he, I mean, yeah. the guy has an absolutely massive uh, swing from both sides of the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, I don't know that this is as, you know, I, I don't know that it's going to manifest the same uh, sort of way, but I, I mean, his swing is more geared, honestly, like someone like, Rugnit Odor than it is. I don't think he has the power it has, but like he's got he's got good speed. He's got you know solid range. I think um, you know he's not someone who has the arm necessarily to to handle shortstop that well. But like I, I could very much see him coming up, you know, making it up to the bigs, striking out thirty percent of the time, walking a decent amount, stealing a bunch of bases, and every you know and just absolutely laying into the ball enough that you like look at him you're like he hit that where um <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i I, th- I think he could uh i think he could absolutely get get some some love and some chance going uh i don't know how polkovich rings throughout <laughs> t-mobile park but like he he's got the he's got the attitude for it sure it, to me, it, it, it kind of seems like every team, you know, every team has like a thing. And I think we're kind of the anti like Marlins, like the Marlins are just taking straight up like boom or bust guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like we're kind of going the opposite route. Um, but like that list that, that I cited earlier that had Deloach, um, you know, behind uh, Nick Gonzalez in terms of Park Adjusted Woba. Um, Caden Polkovich was right behind Deloach. And so he had a 401 Woba, which is right behind Deloach's 412. So I think it's another thing where the Mariners are, you know, this is kind of the angle that they're taking on this type of thing. I'll admit that I'm like not a super um, video guy. Like I'm much better at picking up like differences and like what pitchers are like, what's off their mechanics and, you know, just saying like anything else. Um, but when I saw video of him from the right side, I did actually think that he looked pretty reminiscent of Dustin Pedroia. Um, and that's not, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm expecting of him as a player. I think that'd be pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I am really excited about him. He's, I don't know. I, I feel pretty similar to the Deloach pick here um, in that like, I'm excited about him, but again, as what John's been saying with the past couple picks, like, we could have gone elsewhere and it, you know, more, 
more so i i part of me wishes we took um you know someone with a little more risk because the upside's higher but um because he's not without his his own risk but um i do like the package here and i guess there's a little bit of uh i don't remember what you call it like legacy like his dad played for the pirates in the 90s so that's a thing mm-hmm. um <laughs> so i don't know i'm excited about him yeah, I mean, it's it seems like there's a pretty high floor as a utility infielder here. Like, it's hard mm. to imagine him not reaching that peak unless, like, obviously injuries or strikeout concerns become really prevalent. But that seems – but the, the upside beyond that is not huge. Like, the difference between him being a good utility player and a low-end starter is not very – much and the odds of him being better than that, I don't think are super high. He could prove me wrong, but that's kind of where I see him being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read an article uh, with you, for you guys at Lookout Landing by Tim Cantu, who did not use Pedroia or Walton. Well, maybe he did, but he also used Shed Long, which I thought was interesting. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. small you, small utility infielder, second base types with some thunder in their bat, which I think is the term that he used in his article. Mm-hmm. And I can see that a little bit um, – whether, you know, the contact, we'll have to see if he can do that. And I think he's might have the ability to play a little bit more positions defensively, although I'm not confident. And like you said, John, in his arm at second or third, which is, you know, the issue with long as well. But uh, if he turns in a shed long, I think we feel pretty good about the pick, right? Zach, would we be good with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit, at least from scouting, some scouting reports I've read, there's more confidence mm-hmm. in him as like a outfielder as like that all, you know, having sort of that mm-hmm. versatility and like we saw shed long learn what a left field was last year. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, it is, yeah. I, I think there's a little, you know, if you have someone who's like actually played center field throughout the minors, that's, that gives mm-hmm. them a leg up. Yeah. All right. Next pick for the Mariners was their fourth round pick Tyler Keenan. Number 107 overall, big old third baseman out of Mississippi. Really, really big dude. Um, I like this pick a lot because I like guys like this. And as you just noted, Mikey, that they don't always pick guys like this. Now, Keenan Mm -hmm. doesn't have huge strikeout issues. He was sub 20% in college. So he's probably not, you know, the next Monty Harrison type guy with the overwhelming tools and not the sort of the strikeout potential obviously does not have the speed. He talked about how he's not fast (laughs) at all. I'm not sure he sticks at third base. I think that the Mariners might be smart to just move him over (laughs) as soon as possible, but there's a lot to like in this guy's bat. I'm curious what you guys think about him. John, I think, I feel like you have to start. (laughs) No one could see it, but John was fist pumping. Uh, Yeah. I have a whole array, just sort of a whole celebratory series of movements. It's very impressive. Uh, and uh, no, I mean, I was really psyched about Keenan. Uh, I'd, I'd written him up uh, just like, uh, you know, after the day or after day one of the draft, uh, we'd sort of gone through for like at landing and been just like trawling through like, okay, who, who would make sense? Um, I think, even before that, like a week earlier, I'd, I'd done, so I'd like ID'd him as like, okay, well, this is like, look, Seattle, I'll meet you halfway. Like, it's a college guy. Like, he's, you know, he's had good numbers in Cape Cod. Like, come on, come on. I know you want to sign an infielder. Like, I know you can do this. And, and they did. Um, now, I think, I think, Andy, you're, you're unfortunately probably right. Like, he is, he's smooth. Like, he, he's not, clumsy in the way that like 
you know, uh, some really, you know, larger uh, guys like that are like, he moves much better than Daniel Vogelback, for instance. Like he, he doesn't look concerned about fielding a ball, but like, he's just (laughs) not fast. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not, his hands are smooth, but like, he just doesn't have that much range. So, I mean, maybe they put him at third for some of the time, just because there's not much competition in the in the low minors, depending on how that breaks out. But I mean, he he has really absolutely handled the SEC again. Like he, you know, handled Cape Cod. I mean, he is he is absolutely a performance guy. Um, Keegan McGovern was really the only guy like this uh, who who the Mariners have targeted in recent years, who was like a you know great numbers in the SEC big dude not necessarily you know a defensive stalwart but like all he needs to do is hit and stay healthy and um you know to uh keenan's credit he'll he's a little bit younger than mcgovern uh, was so uh i i like this just especially because even if he's at first base there's there's no one really locking him on the way up i'm trying to keep it together about the <laughs> Looking at the, the looking concern comment. I just pictured Daniel Vogelback right away. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like he is, uh, he's such a jovial guy, but like there yeah. are clear circumstances where he does not want to be on camera. And it is when, when the ball has just been hit. <laughs> um, it's funny though, because I have kind of conflicting feelings about it because like I just said, like, you know, I want to see a, a guy with some upside, but also um i'm like i'm a little worried about the holes in his game um and it is good to me that first of all he's at third now so it's not like he's Mm -hmm. at first and like they're wanting to move him to third or anything so he's at third um and like you said like it's more if anything's an issue it's a range which you know it could be addressed by like shedding some weight and you know just working on like agility type stuff um so from like a fundamental uh, like aspects from everything I've heard. Um, he's pretty strong. And so that's why I'm not super worried about him, but obviously like speed stolen bases are never going to be a thing. He's never going to be, you know, legging out in full singles. So I don't know. He sounds really um, confident himself that he's going to stay at third. He said, um, I run a 7.5 boys. I promise you I'm staying here regarding third base. So like the confidence is there, obviously, Um uh, <laughs> Like, even with that, I think it's pretty likely that, you know, he'll move to first base. Um, But also we have Evan White there. So, um, I don't know. I I think uh, if he does ever, you know, um, trim down a little bit, like, he could at least be someone who can play third base. Because right now we – it's just basically, like, even – I've seen a bunch of – um, lineups like 2023 lineups and it's just like oh yeah like Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick uh, blah 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 there's a whole lineup and then third base it's always they don't even put a name they just put question marks um, so like <laughs> now, you know, that's uh, that's where Tyler Keenan can can fit in but um, I am really excited about his 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 bat um, like at the very least that's going to be really fun so yeah I mean we got our fun pick I think this is our first like fun pick right i mean you heard it here first mikey Ajeto doesn't want a first baseman who's they're trying to move to third base he'll take tyler keenan over spencer torkelson and uh, that's that's uh <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's what i heard I, I was not, I <laughs> 
Yeah, Keenan, Keenan's a guy. Obviously, swings are from the left side, so the comparison's not perfect, but a little bit Ryan Healy-esque in the sense that we have some raw power. There's some questions about the rest of the hitting. Uh, there's certainly the ability to play third base is deeply in question, and with Healy, he just he couldn't do it, really. Um, but you could put him there and kind of cross your fingers, and if your shortstop was really good, maybe it would be okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Keenan has has really good offensive upside as a power hitter. Uh, I Certainly Healy did as well. Obviously never quite got there, but I could see him hopefully topping that. Again, like you said, it's more of a, a upside pick, which we like. Uh, we did get a reader question on this one. Uh, the question was, uh, there's probably a natural reaction to compare Tyler Keenan to Thomas Dillard, who was drafted last year. I'm curious what they, that's you guys, think of that comp. Uh, Dillard was picked by the Brewers in, I think, the fourth round. He was a catcher slash first base prospect slash outfielder slash guy that they sort of knew was not going to play defense ever. Uh, I wrote up the Brewers' top 50 prospects list for pitcher lists, and so I've talked about him a few times. And Mm -hmm. tremendous raw power, but no defensive home whatsoever. He he will end up at first. That's where they played him in the minor leagues last year. He's got raw power. He's kind of Kyle Schwarber-like is what the Brewers are really hoping he becomes. I guess that there's some ways that that fits with Keenan. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that outside of that, or if that kind of is where you kind of feel about him too. John, I feel like this is a, a better question for you. The only thing I have to kind of say about it is just from a body standpoint, um, Keenan seems like someone who has just a like Dillard's a lot more stout. Um, and mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like his glove, like from a fundamental fundamental standpoint is as good. So um, mm-hmm. I feel like, I just feel like he's more well, well-rounded overall, but I'll defer yeah. to you. <clears throat> no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think, uh, you know, Keenan, Keenan's, uh, you know, bad is, is, I think, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's a decent amount of similarity there. Um, uh, but I, I like Keenan, uh, just a bit more there. And I, I think he's a little bit smoother, not to mention, you know, has, uh, a little bit extra size, uh, to carry his, or size to carry his size, a little more, extra, a little extra height to carry his size. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Final pick for the Mariners was Taylor Dollard. Uh, you guys again, can't see, we should have done this in the video because of all the exciting reactions we've had, but uh, I'm wearing a Cal Poly hat. I have a buddy who works at Cal Poly. He works with the baseball team. He's also a Mariners fan. So he was beyond thrilled. Dollard was one of those guys who another Cape Cod breakout guy. He hadn't done a lot at Poly his first couple of years, had an awesome Cape, and then had a really, really good start to the season uh, in 2020 before obviously the season got banged and they didn't get to play anymore. But Dollard, he had a couple 10-plus strikeout games. I think his ERA was under two or very close to it. Uh, He's a guy that not a lot of teams knew a lot on. Uh, I'm glad the Mariners picked him. Obviously, I'm happy for my friend. I'm happy for him. It seemed like he might have been a guy they could have signed for 20000 just because there wasn't a lot on him. But again, the Mariners scouting department knows more about what the other teams know than I do necessarily. But uh, a guy who's got room to fill out. He's big. He's lanky. I think if he puts on some size, we could see some velocity uptick, which it's already pretty solid. He's got four. He's he's another safer guy in the sense that nothing pops really aggressively. Like he doesn't throw a hundred. He doesn't have this obscene breaking ball or anything. But he's got a pretty solid four pitch mix. His slider flashes plus. 
Uh, he's got he's a good spin guy. That's kind of what I've heard about him a little bit. So the Mariners might be looking to exploit that a little bit. Uh, he's a guy who I think is fairly safe in the sense that one of his off speeds probably going to pop, and that is enough for him to be a good reliever. If it doesn't, or if he can kind of put all the pitches together. He's a guy who could be a, a number four, number five, or a swing guy. Uh, I don't think there's massive upside here, but there's enough intrigue with what he did in the Cape with how his body could still potentially grow that I don't think I, I don't hate it at all. I'm pretty happy about him in the fifth round. Yeah. Did you guys see the, the, the video of Nick, Nick Turturro? Is that how you say it? Turturro. Nick Turturro. Turturro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. A, what's the reason? Did he go to Cal Poly? I think I he, think so. I'm not sure. It's either that or just like being the in the high like somewhere in the Cali area. I don't know what it was, but mm-hmm. yeah. So so very random. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this is a pretty boring pick. I think like mm-hmm. boring doesn't have to be bad. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's just again someone who's probably going to be pretty quick moving and who. Mm-hmm. It's probably gonna, yeah, like you said, slot towards the back of the the not bullpen, back of the um, rotation. So, um, yeah, my brother went to Cal Poly too, so he's. Uh, oh, cool. I don't even know if he knows, but he will be excited about it. Um, but yeah, just like a pitchability type guy, um, and yeah, I think I think he'll probably move pr- through the s- system pretty quick. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. He looks like Dustin from Stranger Things. Really, sort of like got in the weight room and and just like figured things out. <laughs> but yeah no you you i think y'all both y'all both really covered it i mean i, I think he could very easily have been a, a 20k guy which they probably are going to sign him as something similar right. um, as you know mm-hmm. the under slot guy maybe i don't know what polkovich but to make sure they can sign phillips and they can sign deloach but um yeah i mean i'm, I'm interested i Obviously, like the stuff wasn't super impressive. I'm, I'm curious to hear what 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 you've heard about him, Andy. Because I mean, he was absolutely lights out against some of the better teams. He had he absolutely just like stomped uh, Michigan, like mm-hmm. UConn. I mean, you know, some you know some pretty impressive clubs. Yeah, I think a, a big part of it was command. His stuff isn't necessarily overwhelming. His slider is good, and I think that he he tweaked it a little bit between his first couple of years. Uh, I'm assuming he tweaked it before the COD because that's when he really started uh, pitching really well. Uh, if you look at some video, you can see some subtle differences in the pitch. It's got a little bit more uh, depth to it, but mm-hmm. I think that was probably the biggest change. And then that, plus he just really refined his command to the point where before he had been a little bit wild, he'd been a little bit inconsistent, and then he was able to start really painting corners. And, and obviously, in, in college in February, when you know the bats haven't woken up yet, I'm not saying he's not good, but I'm saying that you can uh, you can kind of destroy a Michigan team in February if you've made a few changes that they maybe aren't expecting. Some things that didn't show up on the scouting report. Um, but yeah, his, his velocity is is good. His his slider is good. His other stuff is passable right now probably maybe 45 grade stuff that that there's some potential i think the filling out is the big thing if he can put on some weight maybe get that fastball to sit mid instead of sit low and maybe tighten up the slider a little bit which is already a good pitch and get a curveball or a changeup that that show a little bit more than they do right now uh, there's still some work to be done i think he is a quick riser as mikey said but 
I also think that when you look at a guy who had 20 good innings in college, one good summer, and hasn't done a ton else that was yeah. great, there's still some work to be done. <laughs> there's, there, he's not a finished product by any means, um, but there's there's some reason for optimism there too. Not going to be a two, but he's going to be a five or a six maybe or, or could convert into a solid reliever. I do think um, for the Mariners, like it is a good idea just with like people don't think of us as, I mean, people who I think are, you know, smart or well-informed do, but people haven't historically thought of us as like a a club that can develop arms. Um, And I think like when you can take someone who um, from what I've heard can spin the ball pretty well, um, has passable pitches and, you know, can command uh, his pitch as well. Like those are the basic traits that you need to be able to do. And so if he can develop better secondaries, it's really like kind of like a Shane Bieber thing. Those types of guys are guys that are really going to come out of nowhere as opposed to someone like, I don't know, Luis Castillo. Like he has nasty stuff. It's all about honing it. Um, So I do think like uh, these types of guys are more interesting for us to take than someone like, I don't know, the pirates uh, until this year. (laughs) Um, So I do kind of like the pick. It's just like, it's just kind of blech. I think that's fair. All right. The Mariners also signed four undrafted free agents. For those of you who have not been paying too much attention to how this goes, uh, there's only five rounds in the MLB draft as opposed to 40. And anybody else who wanted to sign could sign as an undrafted free agent for $20,000 as a signing bonus. Uh, We could spend a long time talking about how ridiculous this is to the minor leagues, to these players, to college baseball, to all of that. But we're not because we just want to focus on the Mariners right now. We could talk about that some other time potentially. But the Mariners did get four young guys that I think could have some potential here, you know, as much potential as a guy who didn't get picked in the first five rounds can have. Uh, They took a pair of catchers in Matt Scheffler and Ty Duvall, and they took a pair of infielders in Justin Levy and Brett Rodriguez. Uh, I did some kind of cursory looking into these guys. I'm not going to pretend I dove in as deep as I did on the draft picks, but I'm curious what you guys kind of think about these guys or if there's anybody in particular that maybe stands out. Yeah, Scheffler is definitely the the most exciting of the group, and part of that is just uh, the local angle. I mean, he was a Lake Washington High School guy who played on the 2016, I think it is, uh, the state champion team from 3A. went to went to juco and then transferred uh to uh auburn and you know held his own in in the sec which i mean you know again all of this is like you're you're working off a, a limited amount of info but um the the best you can really ask for for sort of a, a late round or or undrafted catcher is good defensively as far mm-hmm. as we can tell, I mean, Scheffler has, uh, you know, teammates loved him. Coaches loved him. You know, he, he looks good behind the play. He's athletic for a catcher. He's not necessarily that bulky, but he, he moves really well. Um, decent seaman foot speed. Um, and uh, did not strike out much. So, I mean, it's, it's not like, oh my God, you know, th- this guy's going to, it's going to be amazing. But like, you know, sometimes that guy turns into Jesus Sucre and that doesn't make, you know, someone an amazing player, but it does mean you sign, you know, you sign for 20,000 at an MLB career. Rodriguez played at Wofford. So 
there wasn't as much visibility on him. Um, whereas Levy played at Louisville, had at least a little bit more scouting reputation. Um, yeah, you know, and, and we'll see. I, it could be – I suspect we'll see some pitchers as well. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, are there any guys that, that interest either of you? <laughs> Levy would interest me a lot more if they thought he could stick in the middle infield, but a lot of the reports say they think he's going to be a third baseman and he doesn't have a lot of power, and that's not a great profile. If he could stick at second or short, maybe he becomes a, a pretty good utility guy. So he was somebody that I, I quickly looked into because Louisville, and I was like, oh, maybe. And then I kind of watched some clips, and I read some stuff about his defense, and I was a little less enthused. Scheffler's still like – John hit the nail on the head with Scheffler. I think he's the most appealing guy because he's – not just because he's homegrown, but because he has a good def- defensive reputation. There's some optimism that the bat could at least develop in what is necessary to be a backup catcher, which doesn't mean it's going to be good necessarily, but 40s and 35s across the board, if his defense is a 60, is good enough. Um, you, it's weird to say that of a group of players, the one I'm most excited about is the one whose ceiling is effectively Jesus Sucre, as Sean <laughs> said. But, you know, I don't think there are there are a lot of Tarek Scoobles here, you know, the, the ninth-round guy who turns into a stud. Shout mm-hmm. out Seattle U for him. But yeah. uh, I do think that they got, again, they, they kind of did what the Mariners do. Levy and Rodriguez are guys who can play, are college guys who can play a bunch of positions. Uh, and Scheffler is a, a good defensive catcher. Like they're just kind of dudes who have a floor that's adequate. And if they reach a little higher than their floor, they can be big leaguers. But, you know, they and, and when you're signing undrafted free agents, you don't typically like sign high flying 17 year old guys mm-hmm. who could be studs. Those guys aren't signing for $20,000. So yeah. you're kind of looking for more of those like decent floor guys who could be utility slash backup guys. And because they drafted guys who sort of fit that bill, it almost makes this seem a little bit more underwhelming, but I don't think that the four that they have so far is a bad group. And like Mm -hmm. you said, John, they'll probably add some pitchers and they'll, they'll round out a group where I think a couple of them will make the major leagues, but none of them are going to be stars and that's, that's fine. That's okay. I think the, the kind of overlap that I see um, between everyone is, is a, they're all pretty well-rounded and, and that's probably pretty typical of UDFAs, but also um, it is very Mariners for them to be um, from very competitive cultures. And I think that's obviously something that they're really trying to breed. Um, I don't know. Levy to me, like, yeah, he's, it's a weird profile profile at third base, but kind of a fun gamble to see if they can get anything out of his bat. Whereas like all of his other skills are already pretty good. Um, Rodriguez. Um, I think the lookout landing article talked about his speed a lot, but yeah. um, he's pretty versatile and he's a capable defender and he's a pretty well-rounded hitter, even if he doesn't have necessarily a lot of pop. Um, you guys talked about Matt Sheffler already, like he kind of Sucre-esque, uh, which isn't great, <laughs> but like is a necessary thing that an organization yep. needs. Um, but I think the most interesting to me is Ty Duvall. Um, Driveline has kind of a weird, um, I think it was proprietary, but it's, um, I think it's publicly available now. Their college war, he graded out very well in college. I think one of the best, um, wars, uh, and he is an on-base machine. So I think he's kind of a peripheral prospect or, um, kind of spreadsheet guy that uh, the Mariners are kind of taking a gamble on. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just all filler, but um, I thought, I think they're all interesting in their own right. Maybe just not uh, 
you know, I mean, what do you expect from them? They're like after fifth round guys. So, right. um, I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to jump off the page, but uh, I would like to see more pitchers. I mean, I like pitchers more anyways, but um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see who they sign uh, in the way of pitchers. Yeah, me too. Uh, we'll hopefully see some names come up maybe soon, although there's not really like, I don't know, is there a deadline or it's like a ways away before there's a deadline. Know. So they got some time. Um, it's all, like uh, early August or something. So yeah, yeah there, there's a, there's uh, a way. Yeah, Duval. I'm glad you brought him up. I was going to mention that real quick. 22% walk rate is ridiculous. I know that Crazy. you know in college. It's a little bit different. Guys aren't as don't have as much control, but he's still played in a really good conference. Uh, he has virtually no power, so that is a problem. He'll need to probably <laughs> lean into that a little bit. Um, but you can't hate a catcher with a good defensive reputation who walks 20% of the time. You cannot. That's that is a great find at 20,000, mm-hmm. even if there's not a lot else in that profile to really like. Yeah. Well, and, um, and especially for next year when uh, when they maybe are going to uh, try and, you know, bring in another Vanderbilt uh, it's right, player. Kumar. Or, you know, or not Jack, uh, Jack Leiter, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> n- might not hurt to have, uh, you know, their, their catcher there. Who knows? I, I just I thought... I just thought about this right now, but I am a little surprised that they didn't go with a couple catchers that are just purely bat, given that mm-hmm. the automated strike zone might be a thing pretty soon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see that come, but uh, it is a little weird that like these two guys are definitely, um, well, Duvall can hit, but you know, he doesn't have power. Like they're not mm-hmm. bat first guys. Maybe they're just really confident in Murphy and Rally as, as their offensive-minded catchers that they're just not yeah. as concerned, I guess. I don't know if that's the right tactic, but I'm thinking that might <laughs> be what they're, what they're going for there. All right, guys, before we call it, uh, I want to hear your grades. We'll do a grade based on the picks and then also the undrafted free agents, although I don't think that that's probably going to move the needle on your overall grade yeah. very much. But we got 10 guys so far. Uh, we've talked about how Mariners-y a lot of aspects of this draft were and kind of some of the decisions they made that may have prioritized floor over ceiling, but I'm curious what your guys' overall take is on the draft and if you were giving it an overall grade to potentially look foolish 10 years down the road. What do you guys think? Mikey, why don't you go first? All right, I'll go first. Make uh, Make it a I'm going to say, I'll say a B. Um, you know, I think it's uh, it's not... Like, I'm really excited that we got Hancock at the top, and I think we have a bunch of, like, I've been saying it multiple times. I'm sure, I haven't seen Jerry DePoto talk about it a bunch, but, you know, he just has, like, buzzwords that he loves saying. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we got a lot of quick movers, a lot of, like, solid floor guys um, from, you know, a bunch of schools where, you know, they were really good and were really used to playing in competitive clubhouses. So, um yeah i think it's like i'm not super wowed by any of the picks um i think we should probably be a little more excited about hancock than we maybe are um but also it wasn't like it wasn't a disaster there's not one pick where i'm throwing up my arms or my hands and i'm like why did we pick him um so i think i've seen as low as c plus um i haven't seen any a grades but i'm excited to hear what y'all think i i would go um Somewhere in the B2B plus range, I think that getting Hancock, the rest of the draft could not work out. And if Hancock is close to what, you know, not fretting it, right? Like, if you have a guy who it's like, 
this is a you know three to five win pitcher, which you know year you know year in year out, and like is a hundred and seventy, uh, you know two hundred inning guy. I mean, again, that's you know that's a lot to put on a mm-hmm. just drafted pitcher, but like <laughs> he dominated the best best conference in baseball and like has all of the stuff. He has the physicality for it. By all accounts, his mindset is good. Like, you know, all of the things are in place that, you know, beyond the normal 10 stop stuff mm-hmm. should work out. Okay. Um, I do think, and actually would be curious to, to hear your guys' thought on this. Cause we, we've sort of said that like, this was a very Mariners group of, of players. Do you, cause I've, I've been struggling with this of like, is it better for the team to say, we know what we can develop pretty well. And it's these like tweener types, these like bunch of 50, 55 tools guys, or do you think the Mariners are missing out on a opportunity by limiting themselves to these Mm. tweener bunch of 50 to 55 grades that they are doing a really good job of developing, you know, do, do you think it would be better to continue going with like something they know versus giving it a go, but risking that they, they really whiff, you know, on, on someone like Veen or Jordan Walker or Nick Abel. I'm content with them attempting to keep drafting what they know. I think no, no team that has ever won a world series has been built even barely over 60% on the draft. I think a modern team, obviously, you know, I mean, the Astros were, were hit on so many great young hitters, which is awesome. But then they had to go buy Justin Verlander. They had to buy Garrett Cole. They had to buy Zach Cranky. Then, you know, they cheated, which we could talk about another time, but um, <laughs> you know, I mean, no teams don't have a lot of, you know, a team filled with guys that they drafted. The Cubs were close. The Cubs were, were pretty good. With, with their team, but they were a flash in the pan. They won it one year, and even then, mm-hmm. John Lester was a guy that they acquired. So, you know, they, they didn't do it 100% that way. So I think for the Mariners, if they know what they're good at, I would rather – like if, if they aren't that confident that they can turn Zach Veen into what Zach Veen could be, don't draft Zach Veen. Draft Hancock, mm-hmm. who you feel confident about, and then if you need a guy like Zach Veen, buy him. And the Mariners haven't been all that uh, willing to do that because they haven't been in a position. I mean, they, they were, they did with Cano, they did with Cruz and they, and they, 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 sh- they shot their shot and it didn't work. Um, but I commend them for giving it a go when it was time to give it mm-hmm. a go. And that's what they need to do again this time. And that's why, like, if their plan at this point is we're just going to buy a bunch of infielders. Cool. I guess that's fine. If you don't feel very confident in developing a shortstop, which they have struggled to do, then just go pay for one <laughs> whether it's trading out prospects whether it's dishing out a big contract whatever they need to do because i would rather you do that than continue to fail to develop prospects like with dustin ackley or mike sonino or jeff clement or we could do this for a really long oh time God. that's just gonna make people sad <laughs> um if you have a type that you can't develop like a the first thing you should do is try to figure out why you're not developing it. <laughs> Fire people who aren't good at developing certain positions if mm-hmm. that's the issue that you have. But otherwise, if you know this is our strength and there's a guy here who we think is going to fit into the system and develop to their max potential and that might be better than anybody else, take them. Don't worry about where they are on the board because you can buy that talent that you need later if they end up being willing to do that which they were last time. So I'm hoping that they will be able willing to do it again this time. 
Yeah, I think I, I think they're certainly trying to lean into this approach, and I, I think it's by design. Um, I do wish that I don't think it's good to lean too far into either side. Like I think the Marlins are being pretty extreme. Uh, we're, and I think we're also being a little extreme in the way that we're going like super, super safe and floor. So I wish that they, you know, I wish that they would take guys like Veen with the first pick and, and take a, a few more risks. But um, I think we are going to see pretty soon here in the next year or two that there are going to be a lot of guys that are coming up um, and like pretty consistently, just like one after another that are pretty much ready to come up and play. Um, so I, I do think it makes sense for the time being in that like our system was so barren that we need a bunch of guys that are able to come up and, and help contribute because like otherwise that wouldn't have been a thing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think it makes sense, but um, it's like by itself, you can't fill out a team of like Ben Gamels and Jake Fraley's and Shed Long's because uh they they might not even though you're going higher floor they might not even be good they might not even reach their potential so um yeah i definitely think that we're missing out but um i do expect i do expect to see some change over the years as our as our depth and our organization progresses um but it is a little frustrating to see us kind of draft like the seahawks in that like every time we pick it's like who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, so I never gave my draft grade. I guess I can do that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be a little bit contrarian and say B minus only because you guys took B and B plus from me, um, and <laughs> potentially. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to B to B minus. We'll say it's somewhere okay. in there. I feel very similar to what you guys said. Uh, I think that this draft really hinges on Deloach. I think he's if he doesn't reach that potential, which, I mean, there, there is the potential floor of, like, not a big leaguer or, like, mm-hmm. a pretty bad fourth, fifth outfielder. I think he's probably got – that would be unlikely, but it's, you know, it's certainly possible. And I think that even if Hancock becomes, you know, a two or a three – or a low end one, even and even if they, you know, if Gilbert becomes that solid reliever, and if some of the other guys become really usable pieces, if Deloach isn't a guy, then this draft probably won't look very good. And so I think that it really hinges on him. If he does become that third outfielder with Rodriguez and Kellenick, and they are all three very solid, you know, and, and Deloach is the guy that either the power comes or the speed comes or both show up, and he's a, a 2020 guy, which would be probably the high end of, of what you would expect from him. But mm. then I think this draft looks really, really solid because I think that you, you get two really quality major leaguers in your first 40 picks or 43 picks or whatever. And uh, you know, you, you got a, a probable utility infielder in Paul, Paul Kovic, and then you have dollar who's a fifth, six guy. So there's something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I think the draft hinges. Uh, I do think there's a good chance for it to be one of the, better drafts they've had in recent years, although that's Mm -hmm. not saying too much. I guess the jury's still out on the most recent drafts, but uh, I still like it. Again, high floor guys as opposed to going for those ceiling guys, maybe that's a sign they're viewing their contention window as being a little bit sooner than we Mm -hmm. think, which would be really nice. But um, yeah, it's not one to be super thrilled about, but not one to, to overly criticize either. 
for sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. You guys got anything else? I'm just happy that, uh, that you're able to join us, John. Uh, this is, yeah. this is went, I mean, aside from the, the connection issues, uh, this has been as lovely as I imagined it would be. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's very good. No, it was, it was an absolute blast. I, I really appreciate y'all inviting me and, and I'm happy to talk prospects or, or any other component of the game anytime. Show. Yeah, you guys, for those of you who do not follow him, you can follow John on Twitter at John Trupin, T-R-U-P-I-N. So he is there. He's the managing editor at Lookout Landing. Like we said, he's done some other writing uh, about prospects at various other places. So a great follow for anybody who likes prospects or likes the Seattle Mariners or for hopefully most of you, if you listen to this entire podcast, you like both. And <laughs> that would make John a great follow for you. Once again, I'm Andy Patton. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Patton SCA. You can find Mikey on Twitter at Mikey Ajetto PL. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and go Mariners. <laughs>